This is the Mutual Audio Network. Shut up and listen. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Strong themes and coarse language may apply. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Hello, everyone. Please don't forget to enter the first ever Rude Alchemy podcast fan cover art contest. All you have to do is make a piece of bruff-themed fan art, a minimum of 1,400 by 1,400 pixels. Post that beautiful masterpiece on our Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag bruffart, and you will be in the running. Make sure you submit your entry before May 29th, because the winning image will be featured as the official cover art for the season finale of Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. For more details, visit rudealchemy.com slash bruffart. Welcome to Rude Alchemy Chatter and Lore. I'm Andy. I'm Andrew. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. And I'm trying to mix it up. I'm sorry. Uh, and we are the creators <laughs> of Rude Alchemy. Immediate disappointment. <laughs> well, I just Chatter tried to copy lore. the mix. Yeah. <laughs> Chatter and Lore is that special place where we talk about Rude Alchemy, who we are, why we're doing it, and also tell some stories that will expand the ridiculous universe we are creating. If this is the first episode of Rude Alchemy you're listening to, thank you, welcome, we're glad to have you, but since this is an opportunity to enhance and expand the world of the series, you might have a better time if you first listen to episodes from our current season. It's called Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor, and the first three episodes are available right now on this very feed. Yes, they uh, are. In this Yes, sir. In this episode of Chatter and Lore, we have a very special bruff story from Ryan, as well as a new segment we like to call Carver versus Bruff Deathmatch. But first, <laughs> Ryan has something to say. Uh, I am uh, I'm being forced against my will and certainly against my better judgment to present to you, loyal listeners, an opportunity in the form of a social media hashtag. 
Wow, you are if really you tweet, just reading it, aren't you? You're just you're just reading <laughs> <laughs> you were just reading that. Uh, he's not on the clock right now. He's no, not not being the narrator. I am reading it. <laughs> I honestly don't feel comfortable with this. So I'm just going to Oh, you don't want to do it? <laughs> because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, okay. If you tweet or Facebook post anything to our account bearing the hashtag Hashtag narrator says, I will be forced to read it as the narrator verbatim during an upcoming Chatter and Lore episode. So, comma, if you've already been imagining my voice telling you how hot you look in that one-piece male bathing suit, or proposing to your terminally ill fiancé, oh, oh, man, or proposing to your terminally ill fiance. Now's your chance. Remember, the hashtag is hashtag narrator says. And may God have mercy on my soul. <laughs> and all of our souls. Absolutely. Uh, Mostly yes. Ryan. As is custom here on Chatter and Lore, we always talk about our current season. However, we're going to change things up a bit this time and turn it into a horribly violent game. The name of the game is is Carver vs. Bruff Deathmatch. Here's how it works. I will present a character from the Carver universe and match them up with a character from the Bruff universe. Our panel, um, which I guess is everybody but me, will discuss and choose which one would win in a deathmatch. The criteria doesn't have to be limited to physical strength. It could be literary as well. For example, a more fully developed three-dimensional character may beat a physically stronger two-dimensional background character. The criteria is fluid and whimsical. So all that matters is that the panel comes to a consensus, uh, which is, I think it's better that it's just like the three of you. That way that if we need a tiebreaker, you know, we can, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay out. At the end, we will see if Team Carver or Team Bruff wins, and the winners will get nothing because they are fictional characters. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yay. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. No cheating this time. No cheating this time. <laughs> no cheating. First up from Team Carver. Wait, wait, Tom. Carver. Are you still are you still upset from how long ago was that last uh, episode? Of <laughs> it was a long time. It, the, the sting is still uh, is still there. Wow, Thomas. I thought we. Thomas sore from from weird history. I, <laughs> I thought we've progressed, Tommy. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andy. Go ahead. No, no. It's, I was it's I was just shocked right. at Tom's immaturity level. <laughs> I'm no longer shocked. Shocked by it. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first up from Team Carver Crane Bottom is Parson Partridge versus Smitty from Team Bruff. Who would oh. win in a death match? <coughs> Wait, I didn't hear the, the choices first, again. Carver, who, who's Jesus Parson Christ, Partridge Tom. and Smitty? Oh yeah. my goodness! Oh God, Smitty! He's Smitty. a war veteran. Well, Smitty's not a war veteran. A war is veteran. He? Oh, I was thinking of Smitty Fable. Smitty is the captain. Yes, Smitty's... Yeah, not Fable, no. Oh, Smitty's the, the captain with the, with the dog, with the, the bad feelings for the dog, right. which we explored right. in gruesome detail in Andy's yeah. story in the last chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, 
Wow, oh. I've got a I've got a thunderstorm going on in the background here, so just in case, don't be don't be scared oh. if you hear some thunder. Um, I mean, is there uh, maybe maybe it is too obvious? Maybe maybe there's something. Is there something the parson? Does he still have that parson partridge? Parson Partridge did have that magical experience yeah. with the uh, with the ring. Yeah, and he so made, he, is this, the, the coin is, is, or something? Didn't he make it? The de- coin, the coin, the coin. Yeah. Sorry, did he? He made a deal with the devil um, or something? Wow, we, we've was? just referenced two Andy Wertner chatter and lore stories in, in the same match. Wow, that's really <laughs> wow. <You know? laughs> Interesting. How convenient yeah. that you are the one that's picking the pairings. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, I guess my question would be: Is it is it Parson Partridge with the coin, or is it Parson Partridge without the coin? Because if it's with the coin, I think Parson Partridge wins. And if it's not, then then Schmitty because he's a dog rapist. He's just a, he's a tough old sailor, you know. I mean, he's. <laughs> I feel like I feel like anybody who has it in their soul, the ability to have a sexual relationship with a dog, <laughs> will will win in a fight. And it doesn't matter who who it's with. <laughs> I, I think Tom's right. As as referee, I'm going to call this match uh, for Smitty. Um, it sounds like things are going that way. All right. I yeah. think that's the consensus. Yeah. So that so team uh, team Bruff wins round one. All right. Let's go to team Carver. Or let's go to the next match. <clears throat> From team Bruff, we have Jerry, Larry, Molly for Larkahan oh. versus Doctor Thane. Oh, <laughs> Doctor Thane. He's the Scot. He's the Scotch, right? He's the Scots. Scot- Scottish. So this is the Scots versus the Irish, and the Irish win. Sure. Now, now remember, Jerry Larry is um, he's a boxing he's coach, old, and he's kind of in- incompetent. So like, we don't know how good of a boxing coach he is. I I, I, I think I, he's he. He's got the heart. <laughs> He's, he's got the heart. What, what just happened? I, I, we were, Tom and I were just being incredibly polite to one another. Jerry Larry's got the heart, but he he just he doesn't have the. I don't think he's he doesn't have the muscle anymore. He's old, isn't he? He's got to be at least in his seventies. All right, let's look at let's look at this let's look at this logically. Let's look at what they don't have. Okay, who doesn't have any fighting experience? It's Dr. Thane. He's a doctor, I for God's sake. I don't know about that. It's not in, well, we can only go off the information we have available <laughs> wait, wait, wait. to us. There's nothing in the script that indicates Dr. Thane Dr. Thane, what what kind of, it was it was the insane asylum insane asylum that he worked at, right? Yeah. As a doctor, not yeah. a security those guys, guard. Those guys those guys are trained on how to no, take down crazy. That's why people. they have orderlies, go- Ryan. That's why they have orderlies. <laughs> no. He doesn't deal with that. He doesn't get his hands dirty. This seems Listen like to me. I, I, I've got to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get in here like I'm the ref. I'm gonna hold these two apart for a second. Um, it sounds like we've got a vote for Thane and a vote for Jerry Larry to me. So Andrew, you're gonna have to settle this one. Oh, make the right it's... decision, Kane. Um, make the right decision. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like Doctor Thane has has a lot of spunk. He's sort of um, he's sort of uh, in charge in the scenes that he's in when uh, in Carver. Um, I just I don't know. I think Jerry Larry Jerry Larry might have a little more sort of even though he is older, I think he's kind of there's a madness to him that might, you know, I don't know. I'm 
It's hard. He'd have a coronary before the fight is over with. We don't know that. He he's, might, yeah. he's got a lot of angst. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to have consensus on this. Because um, I, I, my whole thing is like, how feeble is Jerry Larry? You have to pick um, one, Kane. You is, have to is, pick is, one. I think you got to make he, that call. I know. All right, well, I think Jerry Larry's funnier, so I'll vote for yeah! him. Yeah! In your face, Waylon, you, know, you, you suck! Literary th- whatever. You suck, uh, yeah, I, guess I did the, the literary thing, rip. I guess he... Well, I don't know. Is he more of a well All right, whatever. He's, he's a more interesting... Waylon loses. Moving on to I think the... he's a more interesting character. Dr. Thane is just kind of there to, like... He's there yeah. for, like, story purposes Great point. of, like, moving shit along. Great point. <laughs> Jerry Larry... Jerry Larry's actually, like, I don't know, <laughs> funny and complicated. Yep. I'm sorry. I just, I just can't... I cannot... I cannot underestimate a scotsman they've got they've they carry knives dirks with them or whatever they're called they've got them on their person at all times all right next fine whatever next up in the team carver corner constable runyon versus the mysterious mr tangier Oh shit! <laughs> wow, wow! This is a tough one. That's a good one. It's a good matchup. I don't think we know enough I'm, about I'm, Tangier yet. <sighs> he's very mysterious. Runyon is a strong man. He's he he's dedicated to his he, he's a, he's a man of the law. He has a very strong masculine voice. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Runyon on this one. Onion, really? You're going with onion on this? Ah, uh, no, Ryan. It's actually Runyon. It's Runyon. Thanks, though, for your contribution. Uh, okay, Onion. Bastard. <laughs> Ryan, what do you think? Oh man, Runyon. I mean, you know, just his character was so one-dimensional in Carver. You know, I just I never really got him. So I. <laughs> this is turning into a nasty little thing here. <laughs> no, uh, well, I don't know. Runyon versus um, Tangier. Oh man, Tangier is just much. He's just cutthroat. You know, I mean, he's just. I I feel like Runyon. Runyon kind of ended up being a, a stooge for um, Doctor Danderduff. You know, he kind of right. Isn't kind of he kind of had like a stoogy type feeling right. with Danderduff and Tangier. He's just well, it, yeah. He's it uh, seems like they're both kind of. I think it seems like they're both kind of henchmen, though. I mean, like Tangier has his employers that he's doing his work for, and Runyon. You don't find out until later that he's sort of a a pawn in a much bigger game. Yeah, but, but I feel like I, I feel like just, I, I feel like Runyon was just offered like a sweet chunk of change you know where tangier is in it because he's um i don't know he believes in whatever he's doing you know i don't know i just i feel like he's he's uh he's got more um he's got more stock in all of his actions than runyon runyon's just a again kind of a stooge i also feel like tangier is um a lot more feminine but maybe that's just because the way he's being played. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Andrew, it looks like it's coming down maybe. to you again. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think that Tangier, I think that the unknown of Tangier is is far more dangerous than the known of Runyon at the end of the day. Wow. So you're taking whatever's um, and Runyon is, is con- Yeah. I think I'm, I think I have to vote for Tangier just because he's, he's such a mystery. Like, his and his <coughs> abilities seem to be so perfectly 
perfectly you know timed that it's almost kind of supernatural his ability to get them in and out his appearing at the time when he just needs to appear um all right i think that's the the mystery the mystery is i think what swings it for me all right so runyon is now dead he was killed by tangier just so we remember this is a death <laughs> uh, god rest his soul team bruff is team way bruff's in the lead. three and oh uh, okay next <clears throat> in team bruff's corner Sister Mary Severus versus <laughs> the old crone from episode three in the, you know, in the house. She tells the story. In the, in the, the end old, of the circling the serpent. Oh, 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 oh. The end of the circling serpent. <laughs> versus Sister Mary Severus. Oh, man. Old crone, baby. Tom's voting for crone. I, you, you, see, you know, it's a, the other woman's a nun. She's not going to whoop some ass. Oh, what are you talking about, Tommy? This is we're talking we're we're, we're talking night pre World War One or nineteen twenties nun. I mean, these they they knew how to get down. That's a fair point, but the, I think that uh, the, I think Sister Mary Joseph in our show has a tenderness to her that <clears throat> is beautiful and would not that allow not her to see another to woman. a death match with an old crone. Exactly. God. Meanwhile, the old crone is a freaking terrible human being she's seen some things she's seen everything yeah yeah all right so we're we going crone on this one sounds like all right I'll, I'll concede crone okay all right we're all yeah conceded. i think crone i think it's crony in uh, uh, it's not a clean sweep at least it's tied here right oh no it's still it's three to one yeah at least no, no Car- carver just got on the board there's a chance still for carver um okay in the bruff corner Colonel Fable G. Lexington versus... Fable. Fable wins. Fable wins, baby. Deborah Fable wins. <laughs> Wait a second. Deborah the butler. Fable. <laughs> Deborah. Oh. It's Fable. I love Deborah, uh, but it's Fable. Uh, now, wait a second. Is the scenario that Fable is attacking... Um, what was his name? The butley... Not the butler. The, the butley? What? What? Dr. Danderduff? Yeah, because I feel like if Dr. Danderduff was being oh, attacked, Deborah would then really throw down and yeah. kill some bitches. Right. Deborah has a very specific trigger, you know, but... Yes. <laughs> and only one. And only one trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think I gotta go with Fable. Yeah, I think Fable. Uh, so it's what? It's four to one now? I mean, we just, we have to realize we're doing, we're comparing Victoria to England to brass tax New York City. <laughs> uh, let's play this, let's play this out, even though I think it's, it's pretty well set. Um, <clears throat> in the Bruff Corner, with Taxwind versus Basil Basilton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love I love that that's the is this the final matchup? Is this the There's one more. <clears throat> but, oh, okay, there's one more. All right. With tax with um, Razzle Razzleton. Oh man. <laughs> with tax when before before Baz... or after the uh the noodle notification. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's gotta be after. I think it's gotta, gotta be after. after. The post notification. I think I think I, I gotta go with uh with Basil. He at least like can fire a gun and he can like you know, go where he, he needs to go. Guy, and... Yeah, I forgot he killed a guy. Yeah. <sighs> I'm gonna go with Whiff. 
I don't have a good oh, reason. Man. I don't have a good reason. I'm just going with whiff. All right, Ryan, it's down to you, I guess. Um, Pick it up, Ryan. Come on. Make a choice. Come sorry, on, Baz- I'm going with Basil. Basil Basilton. You're right about the gun. I mean, he has All right. experience. <clears throat> Maybe we should make this final match worth two points. Then that makes it, that gives you... Nah, who cares? All right, here we go. <laughs> From Team Carver Cranebottom. The man, the myth, the legend, Carver Cranebottom versus Bruff Taxwin. Oh, Bruff. Oh, Bruff, hands oh, down. Bruff. Bruff wins. Bruff wins. It's not even a contest. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. It's very obvious. Next. <sighs> Ryan, what do you think? Well, I mean, Carver Cranebottom is a master at karate, isn't he? Isn't that, isn't that the... Uh... Oh, yeah, he's got all kinds of stuff he's a master at. Yeah. yeah, of the Haitian gutter languages, he's a he's a man. I mean, he's just the yeah. the karate thing really is huge. <laughs> he is the universal blood type. Oh, yeah. I guess it comes down to is it just brute strength, or is it you know, is it these other skill sets? Well, yeah. It's like, but it's like it's like it's like um, Daniel San versus the Cobra Kai dojo. I mean, yeah, Cobra Kai. <laughs> they've got they've got karate skills. You know, and they've got the brawn, you know, but what are you, you know, what is happening um, right now? But Daniel, Daniel LaRusso he's using, he's, has, has like the master <laughs> yeah. teaching him. He knows the truth behind the karate, you know, who has this kind of karate kid knowledge at the tip of their tongue? Me. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really suiting metaphor. Well, I will say this. I will say this. We've had a full season. I'm going of with Car- Carver. I'm just going wait with a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Let me say one thing. We've had, this is this is not very fair because we've had a full season of Carver. We haven't had a full season of Bruff yet. We don't know what other skills are going to be revealed or developed before the end of the series, a season. Right. I think Bruff's a pretty open book, though. You know what? You you're know, an I mean, asshole. This, this you're this an is, asshole. Are you saying this game is fundamentally flawed too, Tom? Are you saying this game is fundamentally flawed as well? <laughs> I was going to say, is this <laughs> is this? Is this? Are you out? Are you out on this one too? I think I'm going to vote for Carver just because of his his depth. I'd like to take this. I'd like to take this. Of, I'd like to take knowledge. this moment to resign from Root Alchemy. Um, oh. Why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we? Say, why don't we leave it up to? Why don't we leave it up to the listeners to Absolutely. decide on that one? Right. That can be the that can be the tiebreaker. All right, great. Okay. And then that'll that'll tie it into our um, hashtag that we're going to put out there. Uh, if you want to tell us you agree or how wrong. So actually, yeah, do this. If you want to vote for. Uh, Carver Crane Bottom and put Team Carver as the as the winner. Just give us a hashtag Team Carver or the hashtag Team Bruff to show your support for for either um, Carver Crane Bottom's strength or uh, Bruff's strength. Now that we've covered chatter, it's time for lore. This episode, we have one story to share. It's from Ryan. He wrote this story ahead of time. The only criteria we gave ourselves for these stories was that they be set in the Bruff universe during a time that is not inside the immediate storyline. Take it away, Ryan. Josiah Beavers felt a fixed <laughs> mixture of fear, faith, and freedom as he exited the locomotive that brought him just over 2,000 miles eastward. Images of his home flashed before his eyes after every blink, it seemed. 
The day before, the Beavers household on 307 Young Drive in Provo, Utah, was the talk of the town as it hosted (laughs) Josiah's going-away party. It wasn't, however, a typical summer party that we'd be familiar with, filled with pallet-burning, kegs of beer, hot-ass girls in bikinis, ugly-ass girls in bikinis, (laughs) creepy uncles... Creepy uncles trying their hardest not to look at their hot-ass nieces in bikinis, etc. (laughs) As this was the year 1913, and the Beavers family were faithful members of the Church of Latter-day Saints. They were Mormons. (laughs) (laughs) Josiah had turned 18 and was now beginning his mission to spread the good news to those in need of it. Josiah was being sent to New York City an unimaginable trip for an 18-year-old who had barely ventured past the borders of Provo. But if there were ever a place in need of God's word, it was New York City. Growing up, he had only heard whispers concerning the Big Apple, that it was filled with gangsters and bullies, thieves and prostitutes, Jews and Catholics. <laughs> Josiah, however, wanted to brush the judgments aside and be open to all those in need. He was met at the station by Dudley Gilfoyle, the coordinator of the New York Mormon Mission. The man didn't talk much, but he did greet Josiah with a warm smile and a bagged lunch. Hop in, young man, and let's head over to the meeting house. Needless to say, Josiah was in awe of the towering buildings above him and the hustle and bustle of all the sinners around him and the sheer size of the rats beneath him. Josiah stuck his head out the window to get a better look at his surroundings and immediately inhaled a lungful of opium smoke. Better roll up the window, young man, until we get out of Chinatown, that is. (laughs) Dudley said while pulling the coughing Josiah back into the vehicle. They pulled up to the mission house, and Dudley directed Josiah to the sleeping quarters and alerted him of a meeting in 20 minutes in the main hall. Josiah brought his suitcase and Bible to the bunking quarters, which was a moderately-sized room with ten bunks, all of which seemed to be taken except for one. So he unpacked, gently put his clothing beneath his bed, knelt down and said a prayer of thanks, and then proceeded to the meeting room. He saw Dudley sitting at the front desk, but the room was dead silent, since Josiah and Dudley were the only ones in it. It, uh, it seems there was a mix-up in Salt Lake as to the scheduling of This season's New York mission, Dudley explained. The other boys have been here for a couple weeks, and now have all been given their post. But fear not, young Josiah, there is one spot open. Granted, a not very popular spot, but I'm confident a born-and-raised Utah boy like yourself can handle it. I'm, uh, I'm here to do the Lord's work, said (laughs) Josiah. I'm at his disposal. Wherever he leads me, I shall follow. Where am I to go, Mr. Guilfoyle? You'll be making rounds at the city's jailhouses and penitentiaries, young man. The next day, Josiah was driven to the 181st Street jailhouse. He entered the prison doors and the immediate stench of urine and old sweat and all-around death smacked him right in the face. He wanted to vomit, but his father always taught him that first impressions were of the utmost importance when beginning any endeavor. So he held back the gag and followed the warden to the makeshift chapel where he would begin his mission to the prisoners. The room was trashed, needless to say. Fortunately, the cross was still intact, but all around it lay trash, shards of metal, splintered wood, 
tin cans, fish bones, fingernail clippings, and what not, all laying in assorted puddles of unknown liquids. With a heart full of zeal for his faith, Josiah rolled up his sleeves and began cleaning up the chapel. Hours later, Josiah completed his task, and the chapel was ready for an introductory service to the prisoners who wished to attend. His clothes were filthy, his muscles were aching, but Josiah pushed forward and convinced his service when the last inmate made his way in. "'Welcome, brothers. It warms my heart that you've chosen to attend our humble little meeting today, after which we shall enjoy an ice-cream social thanks to our local LDS church.' I'd like to begin by lighting a candle which will represent our burning desire to know God and to dedicate our lives to Him. Josiah pulled a slender candle and stand from his bag, and after a short internal prayer, he lit a match. Josiah was impressed by the intense light, but alarm quickly set in as he began to experience intense pain all over his body. Unfortunately for Josiah, a considerable amount of the unknown liquids that he had cleaned up earlier were extremely flammable, and a considerable amount of that considerable amount of liquid had soaked into his clothes, so the lighting of the candle quickly escalated to the lighting of Josiah himself. <laughs> Most of the inmates at the meeting were in the depths of an opium high, and the guards were on their meal break, so no one was there to save poor Josiah. Josiah Lewis Beavers died on the 23rd of August, 1913. Without getting into a spiritual, theological discussion, Josiah did not enter heaven. He was pure of heart and loved his heavenly Father, but for some reason, unknown to this author, his soul was left to wander the confines of the prison. Unaware of his ghostly state, Josiah had become a friendly addition to New York's prison system, offering kind words, spiritual advice, and the occasional ice cream party to all the inmates, regardless of their crimes. <laughs> there is no telling how many souls Josiah has healed, but suffice, it, but suffice it to say, countless men are in his debt. And that's the end. <laughs> all right! Nice story! Yay. Good job! Not nearly as alienating as bestiality. <laughs> I just thought, I, I was wondering why that jailer was just so friendly. I'm thinking he must be, maybe he was a Mormon, you know, and why is he still just a, a little haunted little Mormon ghost coming around and making people yeah, happy. Yeah, heartwarming. You know? Nice. Heartwarming tale. really love that. All right. Thanks for joining us for Rude Alchemy Chatter and Lore. Bruff Tax Wind Sky Sailor returns for episode four in just one week on Sunday, May 17th. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can tweet the hashtag narrator says, and our beloved narrator will be forced to say whatever it is you tweet on a upcoming episode of Chatter and Lore. Also, if you want to weigh in on uh, Bruff versus Carver deathmatch. You can tweet with the hashtag Team Bruff or Team Carver to let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, from you on these platforms. And if you ask us any questions, there's a very good chance we'll answer them on Chatter and Lore. So also don't forget to enter the cover art contest and play Weird History on Facebook. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks again. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Have a nice night, everybody. That was good, Tom. That was nice.
food alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. This episode's story written by Mr. Whalen. Episode edited by Mr. Kane. Intro and outro music by Old Town Wake. All other music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. At long last, Repellent Pictures brings you the exciting sequel to Snakes on a Plane. It's my job to handle life and death situations on a daily basis. Samuel L. Jackson reprises his role as FBI agent Neville Flynn, but he's not flying the unfriendly skies this time. Well, that's good news. Grounded for an indefinite period for hysterical ophidiophobia, Agent Flynn is heading back to Washington, D.C. via public transportation on the open road. It's what I do, and I'm very good at it. But this trip ain't all it's cracked up to be. Enough is enough! I have had it with these mother... Roaches. On this mother... Bus. Cockroaches on a bus. Coming soon from Repellent Pictures.